coming up this month, we're going to review Captain America, The Winter Soldier. That's the same film. Uh, the Muppets, Startup, The Double, and The Grand Budapest Hotel. We'll be delving into the weird world of science fiction with a look at Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin. And we'll be staying on that theme as we look into the archives for um, David Bowie's uh, 1976 film, The Man Who Fell to Earth. And as usual, we'll wrap up with a look ahead to some of the big films coming our way in April. Uh, here's a bit of a superhero clip. Channel 7. 7 secure. Did you do anything fun Saturday night? Well, all the guys from my barbershop quartet are dead, so no, not really. Coming up on the drop zone, Cap. You know, if you ask Kristen out from statistics, she'd probably say yes. That's why I don't ask. Too shy or too scared? Too busy. Is he wearing a parachute? No. No, he wasn't. That was Captain America's kind of the opening scene from the film where Captain and his crew go uh, on board a hijacked ocean liner to rescue a few hostages. Um, I've seen the film. You have not seen the film yet. So it's like Captain Phillips with Action Men. Um, the beginning is like is the end of Captain Phillips actually, ah. the, which is very good. Um, yeah, they're they're kind of like Navy SEALs. It's where Captain. Uh, Chris Evans as Captain America um, is sort of at home and it's a small scale nice little rescue thing and then the film kind of evolves a bit into this conspiracy thing with S.H.I.E.L.D. becoming this big global weapons defense thing and it seems like the after the Avengers mm -hmm. all these world governments got together and built these big What's surveillance the things like with this and it's like a couple of Avengers. weeks after okay but it's in, D in Washington DC so it feels maybe like it could be remember the way Iron Man was very yeah. recent um, so it would be very. So that guy from Shield is still dead. Uh, in it, yeah. Even though he came back in the TV show. Yeah, the TV series. I saw that. Um, I've forgotten his name, but um, Captain America doesn't actually have any superpowers, does he? He's just very strong. Can he fly? He, he has regenerating superpowers. No, he can't fly. But as we heard in that clip, yeah, like he, you know, and uh, no, he wasn't wearing a parachute. Like he jumps out of the plane and just lands in the water, so he doesn't really. Feel That's a bit okay. of an issue with this. The shield gets his physical shield not S-H-I-E-L-D the big agency or whatever yeah. and the shield itself becomes this weird thing where suddenly he's able to run through a building just because he has the shield in front of him and he he doesn't get shot because he'll have the shield in front of him and I'm like shoot him in the legs just take the legs Yeah. but it never really works so kneecap him yeah um, this is the third film in what we're calling phase two you familiar with this thing where like phase one started with Iron Man 2008 ended in the Avengers in 2011 and took in like that first Incredible Hulk film the first Thor film the first Captain America film and now phase two of the kind of unified thing where every film relates to the other started with last year's Iron Man 3 then Thor 2 yeah can't remember what that was called The Dark World and now uh, this one, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So the films are staying pretty good, but the names are getting a lot longer and more confusing. But there's some characters from the Avengers who are in this Captain America. Yeah. Like Scarlett Sc Johansson first appeared in the Avengers, didn't she? Uh, no, she first appeared in... The first uh, Captain America? No, it was Iron Man, I thought. Iron Man 2. Okay, I thought she was in Avengers Assemble. Yeah, she was. Oh, she was, but before that... Oh, she was in Iron Man 2? Yeah. Okay. But they're kind of starting to cross over worlds. It's not more, and they're yeah. So like, it's funny. It it just lends itself um, very and well. Should people stay till after the credits? Um, there's a fun little bit at the end where yeah, I'll basically at this stage people have seen it. Um, no, Elizabeth, 
Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen. Olsen. Producer Colin. Producer right. Colin there. The mumble from the corner. Thank you very much, Colin. Um, and so, yeah, there's a bit with, with here. And then, because in the next Avengers, we have what are the twins, I think, with her and... Um, uh, God, thingy majiggy. Um, it is Elizabeth Olsen. Sorry. Yeah, of course it was. Why would Colin have... Why are you doubting me? Yeah. Why would, why, why would he have doubted? No, I was just checking. That so it was good. So there's a little nod to that at the end. Like, But the film itself feels incredibly self-contained up until that point. You wouldn't have had to see any of the films beforehand. You don't have to go... You're not just dying to see the next one because the last Captain America, that's exactly what the problem was. You went in there and you were just like, all right, so all this was was a big trailer for the actual Avengers. And it was a terrible... Um, was it was it? a real disappointing, really flat, really boring. And is the new one 3D IMAX? Um, this is in IMAX 3D, so if that's Worth your kind of... No, I don't think so. Um, I I saw it in that, and it didn't really need to be done like that at all. But yeah, I think it would work quite well in in two D. But it's it's very good. It's got the kind of a nineteen seventies political conspiracy thriller yeah, kind I of thing going on. That, yeah. So a little bit kind of um, Robert Redford is in it, and he was in um, Three Days at the Condor and All the President's, President's Men, Men and all that. So he lends. He I actually think he does brilliantly. Like he was really good in All Is Lost last year, but here he's kind of able to kind of ham it up a little bit and. He's meant to, I'm sure, you know, doesn't come as any surprise as it turns out he has slightly sinister motivation. Mm -hmm. So he becomes, while the villain is actually the Winter Soldier, who's like this super strong dude with a metal arm. And we don't, we're not really meant to know he anything about him. He kind of looks like the crow, I thought, when I saw the trailer. Very good. Yeah, everyone, there's people in there who'll be like, who will know within one second who he is. But if you don't twig it really early, it's kind of fun as it's slowly revealed in it. And you're like, oh, and it's actually, you know, okay. you'll get it very quickly, probably. Um, but the two guys who directed it are the Russo brothers and they worked on Arrested Development and Community and that and how the hell you come in and make a film for 170 million based on that kind of TV work and then like they haven't made a well, film in 12 those, years those crazy big films I often wonder how anyone makes them where it's more just like a juggling act so I suppose if they're used to that TV environment where it's like right we have to get this done and with TV yeah. you're much more stuck to it like yeah. we have to get this done yeah. within now you know that's it and I mean on TV the director is pretty pointless and it's all to do with what they call the showrunner the showrunner of these Marvel films is uh, a guy Kevin Feig or Feig depending on your thing and um, he runs the show he's produced every one of them like for the last whatever I think he's even involved in some of those X-Men films as well and so he is the Marvel guy and I think he just brings in guys remember Kenneth Branagh did Thor and all oh, this yeah. thing and I think with the Avengers um, it's a slightly different role because it's so big and uh, stuff like that but and like Joss Whedon probably says no I'm actually doing stuff because he gets to write it okay. whereas here usually the directors don't get to write the film either but uh, anyway um, it's really 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 good and um, yeah they're on a bit of a roll Marvel because we what's up next do we know yeah Guardians of the Galaxy with that wacky trailer with Chris Pratt and um, I think that's going to be bonkers so uh, wow. that's out in the summer as far as I know I think it's out um, in August yeah okay, oh, August. Uh, okay. so that'll be good uh, so speaking of big coloury blockbusters what uh, a link that is perfect link into the Muppets most wanted yeah the new Muppets film came out even though it's been premiering for the last two weekends it finally opens properly from today. That really caught me off guard. I was convinced that's been in the cinema for like a week. We saw it, we saw it like a month ago. It, it was a surprise film at JDIF. And that was kind of the first public screenings it had. And it was exciting and that. But then it's like, yeah, we put it uh, Yeah, not out for five weeks. So I think it's a thing they do just to kind of build up a bit of word of mouth with parents and kids. So then when it does finally open, 
Mm. Everyone will go see it. Um, it's star. It's directed by James Bobbin, and this time because the Muppets was out two years ago, I think, or three maybe. Three, I think. Yeah. And uh, it kind of reignited everyone's love with the Muppets. Had been off the screen in a while, and. Jason Segel was a big factor in that he kind of wrote it and he was the main star in it his love for the Muppets when he was a kid of How I Met Your Mother which final episode of all time is on tonight who cares no TV sorry we can't talk about TV but you mm. so um, and then we had the Flight of the Concords um, duo on doing the music for it and Man or Muppet won the Oscar for best song so it had a lot of weight behind it a lot going to it it was very funny but I think when I was watching this one, what I realised what was good about the first Muppets was that you had the love story as well between Jason Siegel and Amy Adams. That kind of was an interest off the screen from the Muppets. And what with the Muppets Most Wanted is just kind of a caper movie. Um, we have Constantine, who is an evil jewel thief, and he looks identical to Kermit the Frog. Did you notice? He looks just like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, that mole though. Yeah, I didn't. I only noticed that after I'd seen the film. I was like, no, nah, that guy, the green bad guy, looked really like Kermit. Oh. So he impersonates Kermit, and uh, oh. Kermit is put in jail. I didn't understand that. And it's a question of whether or not the Muppets will realise that Kermit is not Kermit and it's Constantine. So mm. Constantine has Ricky Gervais as Dominic Bad Guy <laughs> working alongside with him. And Ricky Gervais is very good in it. I, love, I do like Ricky yeah. Gervais in these things when... He's and he seems acting, like he's I having he's a great brilliant. fun in it as yeah. well. I even saw some promo stuff where he was doing interviews with some of the Muppets and he is just like, this is ridiculous. I'm from England and, and nobody kind of, but now I've become this massive superstar and I'm just having a chat with like Kermit. Yeah. But for me, it kind of falls flat in that it is just a caper movie. Kermit, I never liked as a Muppet and it revolves around him. Around the whole him, time. yeah. You're kind of almost... Well, I, I did like it. You went and gave us, what, two and a two half? And a half. Yeah, so I would be up in the three and a half, I remember. But again, we saw it at the surprise film where you're kind of, you're G'd up on, like, you know. Yeah, that's for anything here, I thought that would have given me more. To and there's 500 there. people. Yeah, but I really liked it at the yeah. time. But I think the more you think about it, maybe the more you read about it. And it is, like, ah, yeah, it's it very, is too kind of long as well, I think. Yeah, they try to fill in a lot of cameos as well. And then they're so protective of these cameos. Yeah. So they're like, don't tell anyone who's in, don't ruin the cameos. And you're like, is that what you're marketing? Joke with. A, there's a person singing in a box and the whole way through the film you're like who's in the box who's that going to be and they do reveal it and you're like oh that's cool uh, Ty Burrell from and you're uh, not going to reveal it very no. good you're a good man from Modern Family is brilliant as well he's probably like he's not really a cameo he's, he's like a main he's the MVP kind of. but Modern Family is TV I thought we weren't allowed to reference TV we're not talking about TV you have to TV. use his movie thing he was in a film two years ago three years ago Morning Glory Rachel McAdams and Harrison Ford and was she was in, in a breakfast television thing. I think he was in the 28 um, or Dawn of the Dead remake he was the sleazy guy in the mall and because I was like who's that guy who looks like um, Bruce Campbell and Modern Family hadn't really kind of yeah because he was exploded Dawn of the Dead yeah yeah oh so um, he's very good in it he kind of goes along he's a parody of Inspector Clouseau really yeah he's uh, very funny and, and he's, he's actually given a bit and I Tina Fey they don't even give enough to do she's kept in that prison in Russia she's brilliant but she's very yeah. good again and you almost wish maybe Ricky Ty Burrell and Tina Fey could be kind of gone out there and bring some of these guys like Zach Galifianakis and yeah. Tom Hiddleston with them yeah. oh no I've ruined two of the cameos yeah. but um, as someone was making a good point in the New Yorker I think or the New York Times where they were saying do how, you only read New York yes. publications oh yeah so um, how they were saying how Miss Piggy even though she has a big enough part in it she's just totally 
responding to Kermit and it's oh. like she's not really a female character in it anymore she's just like she's lost that feisty feminine I just do whatever I want she, she yeah. spends the whole film being like will you marry me will you marry me why won't you marry me yeah I'm not a fan and and also um, the European stuff it's a very American film whereby mm-hmm. if they come to Dublin come to and Dublin, I've never seen actually... Dublin represented worse on on yeah. screen yet yeah, they never they took a stock some stock footage of the central bank or yeah was it the central bank or custom house uh, what do you call the place beside Trinity or was it Trinity they just took some stock footage anyway yeah. and they're like look it's Ireland and then you go to a studio set of a train station yeah they pull in on a train that says Ireland and it's re I know that in this day and age that it's all a bit tongue in cheek but it was a bit stupid yeah. and like um, Russia would be also equally <laughs> offended stereotypical yeah um, where else did they go Germany and all this stuff so and again bec- I know that you don't have to do that but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be hard to make that a bit cleverer and because the focus on Kermit so much and then kind of Miss Piggy you lose all the spice of the kind of <coughs> other characters you know that are the funny bits like the, the shrimp guy I can't remember his name is barely in it and I think he's hilarious there's certain kind of characters who don't even feature at all and you're like some of the songs are good but there's no standout ones like Party no, for I, One or Man or Muppet from the first yeah if I asked you to sing one now I just I'm know sure the Ricky Gervais remember. one I'm number one yeah that was the best song in the film I think yeah very but good so oh, it's, yeah. it's not great like I'd go see the Lego movie again or something that's yeah very true also they're both out today yes or well you know this weekend let's say they're out right now and also out is 20 feet from stardom that looks kind of like a good documentary neither of us have gotten to see it yet but uh plenty of people talking about that it's been on the go for ages it won the oscar um but last weekend uh startup came out that not startup first i thought it was um about like a business film i was like oh like is it like the facebook movie but no um startup they never really explain they kind of say a bit i i think the thing is that he was in juvie and he's and been he moved, moved up. up because he was so violent in yeah. juvie and now he's because he's only technically i think 16 maybe or 17 but he's in a full-blown adult prison yeah um yeah i think so like he's he ends up in so this is a film jack o'connell this up-and-coming actor from Derby, i think in england right or he's not from london anyway he hasn't come through this like the way most english actors like tom Hanks and benedict cumberbatch and everything have come through this sort of theatrical shakespearean kind of drama school feel like he's come he was in skins and he was in the 300 film and he's got a good thick north of england accent and he is absolutely brilliant and mm. he's really really you just instantly the minute he's on screen you're just glued to everything he does like the bit his initi- initiation uh thing where they're in strip searching him is so it just feels so real and so raw and you feel like you're going through uh the film with him and he's been taken into a film i think it's meant to be somewhere in the outskirts of london i'm not sure with where his dad is there uh, nev love i think was his name yeah they kind of make a thing of that if you've seen the trailer you know and if within about two minutes of the film you would kind of figure out all oh, right that's his dad yeah but they kind of have that as a bit of a reveal that at is some his dad, point exactly i'm sure and at some point like, this is really stupid in the script i'm sure it was like oh let's not tell anyone that they're father and son and then the marketing people will be like well, no, that's our, our selling point. So, yeah. um, Ben Mendelsohn plays the Australian actors in um, Animal Kingdom and Killing Me Softly and a few things like that. Place Beyond the Pines. Place Beyond the Pines. Fantastic actor. Amazing Him actor. and Jack O'Connell are absolutely brilliant. They're the very best things in it. I think where the film fell down a bit was they have this kind of subplot of 
this volunteer therapist played by uh, Rupert um, Friend, who was in Homeland, right? And he um, he was good, but volunteer it was sort of like he came from Oxford, wasn't that where it was? He's like, oh, yes, he was like he's like an Oxford posh boy, who because of going through boarding school and that system can't kind of cope without it so he feels quite at home in prison and yeah. identifies with the convicts and yeah I need to be here you know I need this as much as you so some of that's okay I didn't mind it too much but towards the end of the film obviously no spoilers it becomes a bit too fairy tale-ish and you're like I don't know if I'm really buying yeah, this yeah it's a different thing so I I think it's like we're used to seeing prisons well like we, we obviously see prison films like you mentioned Scum and, yeah, and everything, and like, but like, we're now used to seeing all these uh, TV shows that go inside the prison. And you spend like a whole season with them. So like, Orange is the New Black, Oz, uh, Prison Break, and all this kind of thing. But you feel like you get to know the yeah. smaller characters. So here, like, there's a few other people who are in there, and you don't really get to know them. Like, you know, some of the other guys who he does the counselling with, and yeah. you feel like, oh, you're only spending a bit of time with them, and could stuff. be a great character. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Echo from Lost. No, I'm joking. Um, but anyway, I think the real star of the whole thing was the actual prisons, the physical prisons. They're absolutely brilliant. They're both filmed up in Northern Ireland, uh, Crumlin Road Jail, and what I, I wrote it down here, May, uh, May's Long Cash in Lisbon. Oh, Long Cash, yeah. But anyway, the, the fact that they're able to film it in an actual living, breathing prison, it's not, you know, it's not a prison. That now, isn't, uh, but it's just recently, yeah, recently closed down or whatever, but it feels like a real gritty, the paint kind of peeling off around mm. the light fixtures and you can see where, you know, you can imagine people's heads being banged in against these doors and yeah. these all big metal um It is kind of, it is very rough. It's kind of... Cunt. Yeah. It's what? sent about Beep. 100 times easily and it's yeah. only 16s, I realise, which is fair enough. But it just, if, if he'd had sex in it, it would have become 18th. That shows how like Possibly, censoring yeah. thing works. That because you can be as violent and as mm. like language, whatever way you want. But they're like, ah, oh, no, that's grand. But then once it gets a bit, and it does hark back because there are lots daft. of like crooked, gu- crooked guards and drug dealing and nefarious stuff going on. So it is kind of a hark back to that older kind of prison thing where it is dodgy dealings and it's yeah, there are was, some very quite violent parts yeah. and you're like Jesus I was rough. amazed like there's a bit we'll talk about it later a little bit but like the things you're allowed to bring in like you're allowed to bring your own radio they all have tellies in their room and that yeah. and these are murders like I kind of I think we're used to like seeing other things on screen where but it's I much more cold one of my biggest fears would be to end up in prison it seems absolutely yeah. terrifying I'd be the guy who would break your nose on day one and then you'd be my you'd own me I'd own you then basically <laughs> which could work well for both of us but really 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 brilliant in many ways but if they just had gotten someone else the guy we didn't allude to that but the guy who wrote the film was a volunteer therapist so he I think a little bit my, my own thought is a bit self-indulgent should have just concentrated on the mum or the, 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 the father and son not the mum and dad I've mm. got Mother's Day yeah. Not a good film for Mother's Day. Go to the Muppets. No. The Muppets would be your Mother's Day film, I think. Yeah. When me and Nide went to see uh, Startup, so the two of us are sitting on the side here, but three sides in. There's two of the roughest fuckers you've ever seen who are pretty much, you can smell the booze off them. They're like in the kitchen and you can smell the booze off them sitting here. And one guy, about 20 minutes in, takes his coat off and you realise he's just sitting there in a wife beater <laughs> and I was like oh my god and he was on his phone and checking different stuff and I was like I'm not saying a fucking word to him and I was like you've obviously been in prison because Nide was saying after me anytime anything violent happened they would kind of start talking to each other or something I was like I can't deal with this so it was a classic cine world oh yeah you'd miss going to cine world you wouldn't get this in the lighthouse 
uh, with a film about a man who would never end up in jail, here's uh, Ralph Fiennes. I'm not leaving. I beg your pardon? I'm not leaving. Why not? I'm frightened. Of what? I fear this may be the last time we ever see each other. Why on earth would that be the case? Well, I can't put it into words, but I feel it. Well, for goodness sake, th there's no reason for you to leave us if you'd rather... Come with me. To fucking Lutz. Please. Give me your hand. You've nothing to fear. You're always anxious before you travel. I admit you appear to be suffering a more acute attack on this occasion, but truly and honestly... Oh, dear God, what have you done to your fingernails? I beg your pardon? This diabolical varnish, the colour is completely wrong. Oh, really? Don't you like it? It's not that I don't like it. I, I am physically repulsed. Perhaps this will soothe you. What? While questing what once in... No, just listen to the words. Please, Hush. While questing once in noble wood of grey medieval pine, I came upon a tomb, rain-slicked, rubbed cool, ethereal, its inscription long vanished, yet still within its melancholy fissures. Uh, so there we had um, Ralph Fiennes and Tilda Swinton, who plays Madame D, having a conversation. And this is Wes Anderson's latest film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. It's his eighth feature film. Can you name all eight Wes Anderson films? I'll try and get them off quickly. Right, Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the spot now. Rushmore. Yeah. La the Royal Tenon Bonds. Perfect. Oh, next one. Uh, Submarine, Steve Zizou. Um, what's. Uh, Life Aquatic, sorry. Life Perfect. Aquatic. Um, what came after Life Aquatic? Moonrise Kingdom, I've skipped. Skipped two of you them. Skipped two. Uh, the, the Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. Only one left. Fantastic Mr. Fox, producer Colin, give me a, a bit of a little thing there. <laughs> Yeah, That's so very tough when you're dropped yeah. on the spot there. It is impressive though, that he's managed to get through eight films. He started in eighteen years. Yeah, Bot Rocket came out in ninety six. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's basically Ralph Fiennes' film. He is the is it the Major D? He's kind of the runs the whole. Yeah, thing, he yeah. runs the Grand Budapest Hotel, and it starts out with Jude Law narrating um, the Budapest Hotel in the present day. Did you like that narrative bit where it was like here's a story within a story? Within a story because it's then actually Tony or no what's that guy's name? He's only in a Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson yeah. is referring back to Jude Law and then Another guy from Homeland plays the guy who he has dinner with. Yeah this um, is we're all getting very confused and so yeah. Tony uh, Relivari plays the lobby boy who gets a job in the Grand Budapest Hotel uh, working under Ralph Fiennes who shows him all the ropes and then he is played later on by the guy from Homeland who's having a conversation with Jude Law and Jude Law wrote a book about this or a journal Tom Middle Hiddle, uh, Wilkinson Wilkinson found this book and he is now then telling it to us and then there is a girl who finds this book and goes to a statue of Tom Wilkinson maybe who is the author because he's this famous writer and through all this the aspect ratio is changing a little bit on screen and which I that kind of annoyed me when I went to see it I was like oh this is kind of annoying that the aspect ratio has gone to boxing it to, yeah but he's doing it to reflect the, the time period yeah. and that and it was to me I didn't see any point in that mm. um, but it, it, it made it made the whole end it made, made it a bit heavier and a bit sadder like by putting it it's in getting, the context of this lamenting kind of time critically it's getting a lot of positive it's, everybody loves it really kind of Moonrise Kingdom did get a lot of positive press as well but it seems people are, are kind, kind of a lot more to us Anderson um, Fantastic Mr. Fox people didn't like so much because it he'd kind of taken this childhood lovely story I loved it anyway the film he did but some people thought he'd kind of turned it into this middle aged 
story of ennui and just kind of instead of mm. like yeah it's about a fox who steals chickens yeah but it's a lot I think the Darcy or the Grand Budapest is a lot darker than typical Wes Anderson fare it's quite violent It's re- it does really reflect um, it's clearly a metaphor for the, when the Nazis came in and the dawn of fascism what there's the whole understory of a painting which gets um, lost and stolen and everything tracking down this and the monuments man but <laughs> None of us Wes Anderson style, yeah. Um, and some of that sets didn't. I was a bit shocked to see that there's some quite violent moments in it, which seem a bit out of place in a Wes Anderson film. But maybe this is where he's departing to. But having said that, it is obviously again an incredibly Wes Anderson film. It's yeah, amazing our, attention we to were, detail. Yeah, our friend Mick McGovern reviewed it for us on the site because he got to it at Jadif, and like like he just summed it up. He's like. I love Wes Anderson and a lot of people of our generation do and so it's really hard to distance yourself from it I've no idea if someone if that was the first time, film they'd seen of his who would would really know or whether they'd like it but there's so many little quirky things that yeah. people love and it. recurring characters you're like Bill Murray's there again yeah Owen I didn't even think that was necessary like you know I was like oh that's great and they put them all on the poster and it looks good but the heart and soul of it is Ralph Fiennes Ralph Fiennes is amazing performance it's brilliant yeah and an unrecognisable almost Tilda Swinton I, yeah. when I said to someone who'd seen it I was like you know that person yeah I was like that was Tilda Swinton like what yeah um, I will say that Saoirse Ronan was crap in it I kind of liked her why I liked that she had she kept her Irish accent everyone kind of had their even, own accent yeah but it's not even a proper Dublin accent like it's a funny one like she's putting oh. it on I know I think I that's know. how she sounds I love Saoirse Ronan like I, she did the interview I know but was she acting then is this all <laughs> acting uh, yeah, so that's I think the um, Annie Atkins did some of the set design and prop design and I an think Irish designer. Yeah, they ha- the had it in the lighthouse on might still exhibition. be there, which is very cool. Probably, yeah. Um, oh, so sorry. Lastly, the kind of that whole story within a story within a story is referring to the author um, Stefan Zweig, who was really big back in the twenties and thirties in Europe. He was one of the most translated authors. And Wes Anderson came across his writings and this inspired him and this kind of, at the end of the film, it says this is inspired by this writer. So because of the film, there might be a bit of a resurgence in uh, in his writing, possibly, or people not getting to know a bit more about him. Lovely. Um, another, a guy who was being hailed as the next Wes Anderson a couple of years ago was Richard Iota. When Submarine came out, everyone's like, oh, cool. It's like, you know, the Welsh version of something like Rushmore right wasn't it yeah or, but anyway um, but with his next film The Double it's out next week um, or this Friday depending on when you listen to this or last week if you're listening in the very future future or 10 years or ago or maybe 10 years ago if you're listening to us on a from sending this out on Tape Capsule um, but his next film is very different he's really um, changed he's uh, adapting is it the Dostoevsky novella am I right on that who knows yeah some sort of a book and um, yeah in this it's not really Wes Anderson at all in this one he's kind of nodding to Michel Gondry and really as you I even identified when you saw that trailer ages ago Terry Gilliam with Brazil absolutely like so um, it's a very sort of weird dystopian sort of basic future type existence that's looks like a headwrecker of a film where it's kind of yeah. somebody so it's he's a double he's the same person he's working yeah. for a job and someone else comes and it's yeah. like that's me it's the same he's person he's existed in the same 
bubble I, I actually identified it as the most perfect student film there's so many little ideas and the way it's made it really feels like a, someone in college made it but like really well and so I know you, you it's know like, like a it's backhanded just, compliment it's a it's it's a yeah it's a huge compliment to people in college and also Richard Iota so um, it feels it has that really nice lots of little ideas and little nods that are so good the production design and the whole thing you just it's brilliant like he goes when he goes to work you just every little detail is slow um and so jesse eisenberg plays um the two characters and he usually plays the dickhead yeah and now you see I'm me kind of, yeah. the social network and all that so one of the sides of him is the dickhead ah, okay. whereas the other nice timid guy is um it's more like the um it's much more 30 minutes or less kind of guy yeah a nice one with the one with Kristen Stewart where he worked in the fairground what was Adventureland Adventureland that was it so yes. they're kind of nice guy but he's he really excels in it I think it's really 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 suits him and you've also got uh, Mia Wasikowski and Sally Hawkins and one of my favourite people in it because um, I had to google his name Wallace Sean so he's the guy who voices Rex in Toy Story and he's bald oh, brilliant. and he shows up in all those films you know okay yeah um I, I, I'll take my little computer here and I'll just find you a picture just so you can get a live radio reaction to me showing you a picture of uh, of this guy remember this guy ah brilliant yeah and who's he like, he's, he's in, in like, Clueless he is in Clueless that's right so he's one of these faces and Princess but Bride he's so good in this and um, he plays the boss who really connects them I didn't them. know he was Rex sorry I'm still getting yeah, that's amazing he's Rex brilliant yeah. so um, really really well worth um, seeing I think um, that comes out next week or comes out on April the 4th I believe so um, April the 4th is a Friday so yeah definitely check that one out and uh, yeah uh, do you have just while we wrap up these regular reviews got a movie moment of the month so my movie moment is going to be from what we were talking about earlier startup I'm cheating a little bit where I'm going to divide it into two so which is he- against my self-appointed rules but um, so really when the main character uh, accidentally beats up a fellow inmate who is trying to give him a lighter um, which is a terrifying scene he then runs back into his cell closes the door cover himself, covers himself in baby oil and you're like why is he putting baby oil all over himself why was he, I initially said yeah. why did he bring baby, baby oil into prison thought, is he going to be like a wrestler yeah. is he trying to I look? thought it was like lighter fluid at one point and he was going oh, he's like, oh he's going to light it on fire and I was like no it's so the guards can't catch a hold of them he then throws the table upside down, rips the leg off it, takes an aerial off a radio, and then screams at the guards to come on, and they all charge in. So that was pretty intense. And then the second part was when him and his father beat the absolute crap out of each other and have to get hauled away by about six guards each. And on the walk down to solitary, they both are just screaming obscenity after obscenity at each other. Yeah. So I just kind of really liked the raw masculinity just like of absolute caged rage of the film and those two points I think yeah absolutely that's where the film really came to life like literally your Um, movie moment mine is from John Butler an Irish film John Butler's The Stag which actually he made the chocolates for the most part no he hadn't really done anything before so I don't know where he came from he might be listening John you did fairly well um, but the stag was a little bit disappointing in a lot of ways. I thought it was kind of it's some very funny parts, but it just kind of deteriorates yeah. And it tries like to do lots of things. Like it has a gay couple in it. It has um, like bits of drugs, and it tries to talk about people who lost a lot of money in the recession. I think and you that, summed it up really well in your view, where you were like, it's like a tame version of The Hangover. 
Yeah, oh yeah, and the, well, that's or the version of it that it, ha- that it became, and I think it could have been a very different film about being in your 30s and being lost and feeling sad and everything, but unfortunately they were like, no, let's do the stuff with the dad from um, Moon Boy, who also wrote it. Uh, the Machine. The Machine, like, I mean, if not, we know Why don't from, we have any friends called The Machine? We know, we know, um, we know what do you call it, from Moon Boy, that he's a great actor. Yeah. But, um, and he, he is good enough in this. You're he's like, good fine. enough in but it, yeah. But the whole premise of it, you're like, this isn't believable. Yeah. Um, Peter MacDonald, yeah. So he, he co-wrote it as well. He co-wrote it. So you suspect he just gave himself all these kind of weird and wacky lines, but he's a bit hard to connect with because yeah. his name is The Machine. Anyway, my favourite scene from it is the bit at the end, and it's a bit that didn't actually happen. It's where Davin, uh, who is played by um, the guy from Sherlock, uh, Andrew Scott, and uh, he he throughout this film he's kind of become vilified because they're there on a stag party. He's in love. He's with the someone. best man, and he's in love with the with the with the um, groom to be's bride to be, played by Amy Huberman, and he's loved her for years but done nothing about it. And they find out about this, and this is the worst thing ever. And I'm like, well, but he hasn't done anything about it. Surely that's an honourable thing. And apparently not. By living a lie, he becomes vilified and he has to apologise and everything. But um, there's a bit at the end just before the wedding where he goes on a lonely walk up to the Wicklow Mountains and I saw this with you and I said, I was like, I hope he kills himself. Just as a really dark ending to it. And um, I'm dark not going to spoil the film, but um, yeah, let's just say it doesn't actually happen. We get a, an amazing wedding scene closer, but I don't know, if this was on TV, you could You'll maybe watch tune it in. Christmas on TV and your parents Yeah, it got them. really strong reviews. I think top marks in like the Irish Sunday Times and did well, Irish Times and stuff. And yeah, don't know. So maybe I just didn't understand it. What are our picks for next month? What are we? Um. Well, no. Why don't we? Why do you want to do that now? Sure, we can do that. Yeah. Um. So my uh pick is going to be from Darren Aronofsky's Noah. It's a film I've looked forward to for ages because Darren Aronofsky is a formative director of our time. Requiem for a Dream, Black Swan. What do you think of the beard scratching? Yeah, you're kind of talking into your hands. Oh, in here, yeah. Sorry. I um, really hope there are two black swans on the boat. Do you think you'll do that? I read no. no I read a oh. thing where they cop out a little bit with the animals, whereby they're brought on and they're put under some sort of spell, so they go to sleep. So that's why they don't really. So it's magic. It's well, calling Christianity <laughs> magic, blasphemous. Oh no! But um, yeah, it's got like seventy-seven percent positive reviews, which is pretty good so far. Mixed in some circles, but anything with any religious overtones, you're always gonna get yeah, a mixed it's thing. Been banned in some of the um, Arab Emirates countries and stuff. I think for the portrayal of Noah, because he's a yeah prophet and you shouldn't really do that. Yeah, but we've got Russell Crowe, everyone's favorite Australian, um, playing Noah. From Jennifer Miami. Connelly, yeah, um, who we haven't seen in a good while. Uh, playing uh, Naimi uh, Ray Winstone as Tubal Khan uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins is Methuselah <laughs> Emma Watson as Ela uh, linking up with Logan Lerman who plays Ham re- yeah, reacquainting following the perks of being a wallflower so lots of people in there um, Nick Nolte is in there too so anyway, exactly <laughs> like I think it's guy. I presume he plays when God when it was announced that he was doing Noah I was like cool this could be amazing really dark but then you kind of see the trailers and you're like yeah oh, but really. again it's like a series Bruce Almighty I don't know I think it's going to be it's going to surprise a few people it's a big studio film Paramount Pictures our generation has been her perhaps yeah who knows but I think it'll be moderately uh, moderately distracting let's put it that way um, so yeah that's out on April the 4th as well so between it and the double you can kind of make a choice. Um, have you got one then for the month of April? 
Yeah, uh, we got to see this talk in the future whenever this is going out. The Raid 2 is going to be my look ahead for next month. Um, last year, no, a couple of years ago, we got to see this at um, Jediv. It was a fantastic film. Kind of came out of nowhere. It was just like, yeah, it's a really good Asian action film. And it's directed by Welshman Gareth Evans. Um, so this is the sequel and it's called Berndal subplot and it takes place a couple hours I think after the first one so the first one is basically a bunch of um, police officers going into a tower block that had been taken over by like a drug lord so they were trying to topple him all the police get killed bar one guy and then it almost turns into like a video game as he goes through the different levels to come to the top boss it was nice and simple wasn't mm. it literally it was literally action. went up in levels yeah. so this is a couple of um, hours after that and uh more of the same from the trailer and it looks fantastic so yeah. a lot of people are saying there's a lot more depth to this one it's almost like Infernal Affairs which was remade bit of a story departed. behind it yeah I think yeah. if you were thrown any the action was spot on mm-hmm. really really good fights if you were going to complain about the first one didn't have a whole lot really to say so maybe if there's a bit of heaviness to it so um, that's coming out April 11th I think uh, yeah and so it's one of these Cine World Unlimited things on, on Monday so people may have gotten to see that um, and it's been out in America since last week as well. So uh, played at Sundance and everyone's like, this is the greatest action film of all time. And you're like, okay, that's probably high praise, but I think it will actually be very good. The trailer looks good fun if you know what you're going. It's incredibly long as you put Two out. and a half hours, yeah. Yeah, so let's see how that can actually... Get the large bucket of popcorn. Large bu- bucket of popcorn and everything. So um, yeah, we're going to... That's all our reviews, both past and um, future, except for one. So, um, I don't actually speak Glaswegian. Do you want to maybe translate there? Tell me what happened there. So that was a scene from Under the Skin. It's the latest Jonathan Glazer film starring Scarlett Johansson as an alien uh, who comes to Earth and seduces men to go with her and then they disappear. So it's an incredibly cinematic film, I think, in every sense of the world. It's incredibly atmospheric. There's amazing music in it. Scarlett Johansson's brilliant. She kind of puts on, as you can hear in that, just kind of pitch perfect English accent a lot of people are saying oh well it's easy to do an English accent I was like oh. no she, and I think she shows like also out at the minute Captain America she's very very good in it like she's yeah. great range like so it's based on a book by um, Michael Fable and it's kind of I think the book was more a satirical look at kind of how we value certain things and Jonathan Glazer kind of it's been taking him about 10 years to get the film together in the format he wanted so it's very light on dialogue very scenic and Scarlett Johansson just kind of drives around in this highest van picking up random strangers and a big selling point of the film that's become more known is that a lot of these men didn't know they were being filmed it was all done secretly mm. and like that guy in the clip I think yeah yeah 
So then they basically would run out after they had taken a scene and been like, here, will you sign this release form? You're in a film that was Scarlett Johansson. And in one case, there was one guy who just basically ran away because he thought he was in some candid camera or he didn't know what they were talking about. Um, so yeah, it's fantastic. The music, the music is amazing. It's by Mika Levy, who's um, English, and she's like 27 or 28, which is... Yeah, we're, f- we're playing... Will I put a bit, I'll just put the music there in the background. So that's her, it's Mika's music. Incredibly atmospheric. And um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. What did you think? Um, yeah, so I had a very, almost a hallucinatory um, experience with this because in the middle, um, I saw this in the lighthouse that had, you know, you have a beer down there. The film was on really late at night. I'd been up at 6 a.m. that day. So like in the middle, I kind of like dozed off and hallucinated a bit for this tiny bit in the middle. And I'm, it just was an out, a very unusual experience and that. So um, I think I need to see it again in the cold light of day. But for me, it was a phenomenally... Uh, scary really really dark like I there's nothing like those scenes with the the completely I don't know how you'd even describe them like the black background the what would that process be of, like the, the consu- yeah. almost like consumption or like it's it felt like religious a prayer, like a, a mantis kind of or like a, a Venus yeah. closing and around. just how they were directed I, I don't know and the effects whether because I loved when I was looking up after it about Jonathan Glazer if you haven't his first film was Sexy Beast which was fantastic yeah, and then Birth the year 2000 exactly yeah, yeah. and Birth um, which is a spool contributor David Turpin's favourite film yeah he loves Nicole Kidman loves and it. loves her in that there's a brilliant piece if you want to just search on Spool for Birth you will see that but if you haven't seen any of those films I will bet my non-existent house on the fact that you've seen at least one of his advertisements he's directed a load of Stella Artois ads uh, links ads he did the ad with the horses coming out of the sea for Guinness he's directed Radiohead videos he did the, st- the Street Spirit one of my favourite videos back in the days of um, what was the day funny thing the beatbox or oh yes 2TV yeah and the like so uh, he's amazing and it's that great thing of like he kind of made his way doing TV ads and yeah now he's come on to future films like yes yeah. so as a British director like he kind of had gone off the radar for that huge chunk of time mm-hmm. um, and it was brilliant when he was kind of talking about you know the process of the film it is very unnerving and there's a brilliant scene involving uh, a couple and a baby and they kind of that's incredibly hard to watch but he was saying that encapsulates her alienness in one moment like it, it shows how alien because we're all watching it being like somebody helping the baby wise and somebody helping the kid and and she's observing like, she's just doing nothing and that, that captures her alienness and then there's a whole 360 where she eventually becomes the hunted person. That sequence is, is yeah. incredible. It's that ending. Um, really fantastic. Just snaps you back in and her end. Mm-hmm. How she ends the film, let's say. Yeah. Um, very dark. Yeah. Very scary. Producer Colin saw that too and liked it a lot too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And staying on that theme then, this week or this month, you gave us a bit of homework to do. Yeah. So when it came out, um, I was aware of the man who fell to earth and stars David Bowie and it came from 1976 1976 it's your man here I'm going to be yours yeah. and uh, I w- was aware when I was watching under the skin I was like oh this kind of reminds me of because I'd seen clips of it obviously it was like he's obviously tipping his hat a wee bit to the man who fell to earth and then in reviews and such people have said that and also Stanley Kubrick 2001 uh, kind of nodded so I thought look let's watch the man who fell to earth because neither of us had seen it it's directed by um, Nicholas Rogue and it, um, it stars David Bowie, who is this man who falls to earth. And he, it's kind of a weird setup. Like he has these patents or patents, if you're American or vice versa, 
where which is kind of cool he has this self-developing film i thought it was very cool like <laughs> it's very it spoke very current so you're like oh it's kind of pre precede smartphones mm. and like very clever kind of wee idea so he comes to earth with all these patents makes a shitload of money and you realize he's trying to take or he's trying he basically wants to take they water. slowly reveal it yeah, yeah it takes a while to work mm. out where he's kind of going because there's these flashbacks to where he's come from obviously in these weird alien families which haven't dated well let's be honest no and uh, yeah he's kind of taking he wants to try and get water from Earth back to his own planet somehow um, because there's a terrible drought on his own planet so he reinvents television radio and one of my favourite lines in it um it's actually in this clip. Will we play the clip first? Yeah, let's play the clip. When he's, do you want to introduce it? Who so he's here done? he is talking to Rip Torn, who people will know from the Larry Sanders show or Dodgeball. He plays the old guy in Dodgeball. And uh, the two of them are talking about this like spaceship. Endeavor. Yeah, because he kind of cops on to what's happening and is on his side almost. Or bit. Um, yeah. What for? The solar probe? I want you to think beyond that. I want to show you this because I value your contribution to my work. Well, I'm not certain what that's to be. Fuel conservation, Dr. Bryce. Maybe the key to our project. Ask me. What? The question you've been wanting to ask ever since we met. Are you Lithuanian? I come from England. Oh, that's not so terrible. Is this one? It's too small for interplanetary travel. Assume that it's a weapon. Does that matter to you? Yeah. If I thought that you were building a, a weapon, you were employing me. Would you be comfortable in it? I think I'd last about 20 minutes. And then? I'd start screaming. Wouldn't everyone? Last night I was watching television. I saw these... Uh, ex-astronauts. Some of them are basket cases now. Television. The strange thing about television is that it doesn't tell you everything. It shows you everything about life on Earth. True mysteries remain. Perhaps it's in the nature of television. You must know that in England. Royal Air Force, their motto. Yes. Per ardua. Ad Astra, through difficulties to the stars. Um, very good. What a line! The str- the strange thing about television is it doesn't tell you anything. Love it. Very good. There's a couple. Of, there was another one um, in the film that I wrote down, um, which I thought was very good. Uh, with thingy, what's the girl? Can't remember her name. Mar- uh, and she's Mary like, Lou. "It's you're played su- by Candy Clark." Yeah, you're such a nice man. And he just goes, "No, I'm not." Because he's not yeah. a man, is he? Um, yeah. What did you think of Bowie then? He's kind of okay. He's horrendous teeth, I realise. He's got he's bad teeth. Incredibly he's... British. And you see his penis at one point. There's yeah. lots of weird sex in the film. There's like one really weird sex scene where it kind of reminded me, I don't know if you've ever seen Tommy, that no. Who musical, where there's a scene involving baked beans and we're like, this kind of reminds me of that. Um, <laughs> you kind of never expected to see. I was like, I never. I thought I would go the rest of my life without ever seeing David Bowie's penis. And you're like, there yeah. it is. Grand. Yeah, it wasn't a big And deal. I did like the Ripped Horn storyline because I recently saw the, I think it's called The Tropic Cancer. It's that famous book. 
um, and they did a film adaptation of it and it's on Netflix and it's horrendous and he's in it and it's just kind of he's like Rip Torn's character at the start he's like this lecherous professor who's mad on knowledge and sleeping with 18 year olds and there's whole segments yeah. with that and you're just like oh. the I music they were very strange the music drove me up the wall yeah. the start music I absolutely hated but I think there are some good scenes in it and it's but it there's just, a it, phenomenal yeah there's amazing scenes you're mm. absolutely right like there's a bit um to a Roy Orbison song Blue Bayou which is so good and it, it has aged brilliantly like there's that and then there's another one where he has all the that's not the where, where he changes all the channels and goes kind of crazy yeah yeah as well that also works really really well um I have a bit of trivia for you about the film that I found out um oh. the patent lawyer played by Buck Henry who co-wrote The Graduate ah brilliant it's good right yeah that's pretty good good, good bit of trivia good. um so that was it and I also liked the little bit at the end with the third man um, because that's one of my top five films yeah. as well and it's talking about like betrayal it and all things like that So and it be, kind of becomes it's a very weird ending like the very end Remember I wasn't that? sure about the ending it, it was just a bit like he kind of bows his hat and it's like okay you know um, but how much time had passed at that point I don't know you... yeah the fact that or as well we're just going back to the music the musical guy was John Phillips um, he kind of orchestrated the whole thing and kind of got this song together along with the composer um, Stomo Yamatashi but John Phillips was in The Mamas and the Papas that's also very good trivia yeah I was it's like very that's good. pretty good we were famous for California Dreaming and do you know some of the other films that Nicholas Rogue directed I kind of find this out and it was funny he directed Don't Look Now ah uh, that's why I knew his name yeah, yeah. with uh, Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland he directed Performance the Rolling Stones one were not Rolling Stones with um Do you see Mick Jagger's winning in that? Jagger. I don't know, I've never seen that. Maybe we could watch that. We should have a new segment, <laughs> Famous People's Willies. And he also directed The Witches. <laughs> Roald Dahl's terrifying, terrifying. Angelica film. Houston. Face peeling off. Very yeah. good. Um So overall it's a good parts of it are very good, but like it's not better than Under yeah. the Skin. It's aged quite badly, I think. And Yeah, it would have been f- fantastic like the image wise and to see someone like Bowie who is one of these formative mm. names in music to see him in that world is a lot of fun but um, as an overall work it hasn't really done brilliantly but um, it's fun look up the few brilliant scenes um, on YouTube if you can and find the things yeah um, Yeah. so before we just do our final scene thing there's two Irish films out this month um, John Michael McDonough's Calvary and uh, the John Banville adaptation The Sea you've seen Calvary I'm going to see The Sea uh, later in a day or two go to see the CCC and, um, yeah see I'm going to see the CCC but um, support Irish film go and see them you know yep. do your bit and, Calvary uh, is very good and for me who despised the guard it's a lot better than the guard yeah brilliant and it's got um, some, red, some redheads in it yeah Woo! and everyone's in it we're going to f- wrap up with a sci-fi clip from 2001 but just as another nod there are some good sci-fi films coming out for the rest of the year I had a quick look uh, we have The Signal which is uh, coming out in June in America and it stars Lawrence Fishburne and it seems kind of cool it's like if you hear this signal you have been chosen it seems kind of matrixy there's a trailer for it on YouTube you can hunt it out but it also stars I think Nigel will enjoy this I don't know if you know her actor name but uh, you definitely know her Sarah Clark type in Sarah Clark there into Google and see the picture she's in The Walking Dead no? no well she could be but that's not what I know her from so another film what that is coming out is oh Nina Myers from 24 <laughs> yeah she's in and it. Twilight seemingly yeah. 
So, uh, another kind of... Well, it's iffy sci-fi, but I'm going to count it. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which I think looks fantastic. It's a couple of years after the first one. Um, this monkey virus has killed a lot of the humans, and anyone that has resisted it, kind of, they had a civil war among themselves, and now it's them versus Caesar has become the leader of the, the chimps. And it stars Gary Oldman. Um, and it's... Um, the Cloverfield director Matt Reeves is behind it so I think Cloverfield was pretty good so I think it looks interesting that's going to come out in July and then the Bukowski siblings have a new film out called Jupiter Ascending which stars Mila Kunis and uh, Channing Tatum Channing Tatum kind of looks like uh, Bucky O'Hare in it. <laughs> you should go look up the trailer he looks like some weird rabbit Jupiter, what's it called? Jupiter, Jupiter Ascending Cool. Very kind of matrixy. Oh, it's like yeah, I saw a bit of everybody in the thing. universe knows everybody. There's a queen of the universe who wants to wipe out Earth, but Mila Kunis is the How alien. is that science fiction? Sounds like an Angela Merkel uh, biopic. Oh, and Godzilla. That looks amazing. But Very good. Weird sci fi. So, anyway, our scene of the month is uh, a clip from 2001. It's. Uh, no, Hal is being shut down, and uh, Dave is trying to shut down Hal. And he eventually towards the end starts singing a song called Daisy I was going to say do you know why he sings that song no it was the first song that a computer ever sang back in dun, 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 1961 the IBM computer 7094 you can look it up on YouTube it's kind of really weird <laughs> no, but it actually sings it you can hear it so um, it's Hal being shut down so that's our Grant. See you next month. for the month bye bye Look, Dave, I can see you're really upset about this. I honestly think you ought to sit down calmly, take a stress pill and think things over. I know I've made some very poor decisions recently. But I can give you my complete assurance that my work will be back to normal. I've still got the greatest enthusiasm and confidence in the mission. And I want to help you. Dave. Stop. is going. I can feel it. I can feel it. My mind is going.
There is no question about it. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. Afternoon, gentlemen. I am a HAL 9000 computer. I became operational at the HAL plant in Urbana, Illinois, on the 12th of January, 1992. My instructor was Mr. Langley, and he taught me to sing a song. If you'd like to hear it, I can sing it for you. Yes, I'd like to hear it now. Sing it for me. It's called Daisy. Thank you. 